0: to Perry Noble's thoughts on leadership, vision, and creativity. You can find Perry online at perrynoble.com. Hello and welcome to the September edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. That'd be the September 2015 edition. That's crazy. It's September. It is September. Good here. Football's here. Praise God. Time to jump in. Pray for Josh. Pray for Josh. Florida Gators will be kicking off this weekend maybe
1: uh, who knows but josh and i were talking right before the podcast and he's he's got big hopes for florida big hopes big hopes orange and blue they're not ranking in the top 25 go gators
0: though. not really <laughs> here we go so but in in uh, in honor of football season we're going to talk a little bit about building great teams yes. today but before we get to today's topic let me just mention to all the listeners out there especially if you're a church leader we have a website newspringnetwork where we have all the resources that we can give away on that site. Uh, We we create for our church, but a lot of times we're praying that it would overflow and help your church. So if there's ever anything you think you might need, whether it's media resources, kids resources, and everything that I'm forgetting to even mention, newspringnetwork.com. It's all there. Check it out. So with that, let's jump into this, Perry. You know, no leader achieves success on his or her own. And no great leader really defines success via personal accolades, but by the success he or she brings to other people. So the importance of building great teams through building the individuals on the team is paramount in the life of a leader. So today we're going to dive in. To this idea of building great teams. And as we do that, Perry, I'm just going to ask you this question, talking about accolades. I've seen you deflect personal accolades so many times and give credit to the people you lead. How have you developed that attitude? Um, Well, it's, it's, not, that, it's not that hard when you realize.
1: Uh, for example, I'll get credit. Somebody will come up to me in the community and say, my kid really loves being involved in KidSpring. They just love the environment. They love the lesson. They love the music. And so thank you so much. And it's real easy for me to deflect and say, we well, you know, I've got a great um, kids team because I I the I can't remember the last time I sat down and wrote children's curriculum. It was probably in the 90s. Uh, and so I, I, it's easy for me to deflect that. When we have a great video, um, I didn't make the video. When we do a great song, I didn't write the song. I can't play the instruments, you know? And so it's easy for me to give credit where credit is due because I realize um, I'm not. Our church is not a great organization because I'm a great leader. I'm, well, our church is great because we have a great team, and that's the way it is. You know, um, you are speaking about football a while ago. Um, individual players get noticed, but teams win championships. That's good, and I've just seen that so many times where um, there will be a player on a team, um, and they'll do a really good job on that team, and then they'll go to another team and they'll they won't do as good or, or they'll just kind of phase out. And the reason why they were so good is because of the team that they were on. Mm,
0: that's good. Uh, well, you know, great teams don't just happen. Uh, they have to be built. So what do you look for in people before you consider making them a part of your team? Um,
1: well, here's what's surprising, and this this will make some people happy and this will make some people sad. I don't look for education. Um, just because a person has a lot of degrees Does not mean they're smart. it It can either it can mean that they were bored and didn't know what to do with their life. It could mean that their parents are rich. Um, It could mean that they know a lot of philosophy, but they have no practice. I look for people. I think the number one quality that I look for in a person is grit. Grit is the the willingness to do whatever it takes to get something done. There will be a lot of people that say, "Well," uh, and we see this a lot in in church world, where church leaders will say, "Well, we don't have the resources." Well, you might not have the resources, but do you have the resourcefulness? Because if you got the resourcefulness, I feel like the resources will come. And so I look for the guy, I look for the girl that's just got – who's willing to do whatever it takes to, to make the –
0: help the team go forward. That's good. You know, I've heard you, you mentioned this before. You taught this to our whole staff not too long ago about the three H's that you look for in people you want to see people work. And share those with our listeners. The three H's. Yeah, humble, hardworking. And hungry.
1: Hungry, yeah. Humble. So humble, um, hardworking and hungry. Humble is just the person that when something great happens, they don't have their hands in the air like Rocky dancing around like they just won a championship. Um, going back to football, I love it when a player scores a touchdown and they act like they've been there before. Mm-hmm. And they either just hand the ball to the ref or whatever, when um when a when a lineman or a safety or a linebacker makes a tackle, um, they act like they've done it before. They, they don't get up and, and pat themselves on the back. Because if you pat yourself on the back enough, you're going to set yourself up for a fall. That's good. And so people that come to work, get their job done, because I've discovered that the person who's always telling you how hard they work, um, probably they're not working that hard. Because if they have to tell you they're working hard, um, then they're then they're probably not doing it. It's like like uh, LeBron James in basketball. He don't have to tell you when he plays hard. You can you can see it on the scoreboard. Um, hungry is is the thing that I look for in leaders. I recently shared with our team. Everybody on our team, and I believe this you have the be, you have the ability to be the best in the world at what you do. Um, there's no excuse to not be constantly learning. Um, with the internet. With books, I mean, it's there's like, like it's 4.2 books a second. It seems like gets gets written, and and so if you want to master your craft for years and years and years, people, uh, including me, because I was in this uh, camp for a while, I would blame um, other leaders for my lack of success. So it's like, oh, if I could just meet with Andy Stanley, or if I could just meet with Rick Warren, or if I could just meet with Bill Hybels, and then I realized, you know what? I can meet with them. I can. Um, they've written books, and they're going to tell me the same thing in person that they wrote in the book. And so I've got as much access to them as anybody in the world. I've just got to be hungry enough to go get it. I think it's Proverbs four it says, "Get wisdom at all cost." And nineteen ninety nine for a book is as a pretty cheap price to pay for wisdom. Um, so, and then hardworking. I just want people that are going to work hard. If you show up. At 9.02 and you leave at 4.58 every day, you're probably not going to be on staff. Now, that doesn't mean I want you here all the time. It's just I want you here on time. I want you to stay t- until it's time to go home, and I want you to work hard when you're here. Because if you'll do those things, man, that's, that is that is an irreplaceable team member.
0: Yeah, that'll set you apart from most. Uh, what type of responsibility does the leader have to take in recruiting and growing a great team? Um, 100%. Falls on the leader. Um, I'm always
1: recruiting. I'm always recruiting. I'll get a call. Um, you know, I've got some great friends that are pastors, and they'll be like, "Hey, man, do you know a great youth person? Do you know a you know a great worship leader?" And my answer is always no. Um, and because here, here's the honest truth: if I recommend them to you, it's because I didn't want to hire them. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Because if I see somebody that's great. I want to recruit them as soon as possible. It's like Jim Collins says: get them on the bus, and then we we'll always figure out where their seat is later. Um, now, that doesn't happen a lot, but it but it happens. Uh, and so, I feel like I am the I mean I am the primary recruiter for New Spring Church. Um, we've had campus pastors uh, talking to other people that they consider to be you know high capacity, and they're trying to. Bring them on staff, and there's been a few occasions where they've called me and said, "All right, we're going to need you to call this person and try to talk them into coming on staff." And and you know that's that's one of those things that I get, I, I personally get fired up about. Um, and so I think it's the responsibility of the leader to recruit the team. But then I think it's the responsibility of the leader to grow the team. Now, different people have different ways they do this. Like some pastors, some church leaders grow their team by um, they have like a systematic approach to it. So um, we're going to read a book together, or we're going to do a lesson together, or we're going to experience a talk together. Um, We've never really done that, but I feel like I share with you guys what I'm learning. You guys share with me what you're learning. We feed each other information. Um, About once a year, we do take a trip together where we just – Um, there's no agenda other than doing life together. I'm gonna pause there and and just tell church leaders, when you, you need a a trip once a year, at least three or four days, I believe, where you just take your key leaders away and it might be, hey listen, you don't have to spend a lot of money, go camping. I don't care what you do, I'm not going camping. Me neither. But you can go camping. Michael Mulliken on our staff would go camping with you. He would lead a camping expedition. But I wouldn't go camping with you but go and spend some time together because what will happen is even though you don't have an agenda you'll come back from that meeting with some really incredible ideas that you can implement into your church or your organization immediately
0: that's so true. Mark Batterson said different place, different pace, creates new perspective. Yep. And, uh, and he's you, right, man. He's he is right. right. It's like driving home. You forget you even drove because you do the same thing every day. And same with uh, working in a church or working in any organization. If you just relocate yourself for a little bit of time with the people you work with, you're going to get all kind of new ideas because you're just at a different place and a different pace. Uh, Perry, I know this, no leader's perfect uh, in building a team. So when you realize someone on your team isn't a good fit or simply is not pulling their weight how do you handle that situation we brought back the guillotine chain and that's yep. been
1: amazingly effective I didn't know we were gonna let that out yeah um, after a couple heads roll literally it's it's amazing we got the we got the new spring brand on it and it just falls and it's pretty you know one of the things that's um and a lot of leaders don't talk about this one of the things that's really tough for a leader is when you recruit somebody you believe in them you build them up and then they, they hit a lid. Um, and there's no way to not take that personally because you're like, did I invest enough time in them? Did I not? Uh, why did I not see this in them or whatever? But every, I think everybody, um, and this is just my, I mean, I think everybody can grow and I think everybody can learn. But scripture is very clear that some people have the capacity to lead thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. You know, when Jesus was passing out the, the talents he gave five, three and, and one. And um and and so God gives different people different abilities. And so my job as a leader isn't to take a one talent person and make them a five talent person. My job as a leader is to make sure that one talent person doesn't bury that talent in the sand. Yep. And so that's and I, that's been hard for me because I want everybody to be able to take the journey. And uh the one talent person will never be at the table. With the five talent person, but as long as you help the one talent person achieve um, their God given potential, then then that's a win, and that's just a lesson that I've had to learn recently.
0: And uh, would you say that uh, some people can be the right fit for a season, and then maybe not the right fit for the following season? It just Absolutely. depends on where we're at as a church.
1: Yeah. So, I, like, if you if you're a leader of hundreds, then then man, as long as we've got hundreds, you can lead it. But if we're if we go to thousands, and you're not a leader of thousands, then it's gonna crush you. And it's the same way, maybe your church isn't, maybe you're sitting there going, we're not dealing with in the hundreds and thousands. Well maybe, just take tens. You've got some great leaders of tens, and then you go to a hundred and they can't do it. And um, we've. I always look internally first. I don't always blame the person. I always look internally and say, did I have the right conversations? Did I resource them? Because a lot of times it's not them, it's my, um, well, I say it all the time. A leader cannot hold people accountable for unspoken, unrealistic expectations. And so if I haven't made my expectations clear or you know, spoken or if they're unrealistic, then I've got to go back and adjust some things. But if I've done that and the person still can't make it to that next level, then, well, at NewSpring, one of the things we've always done is we've always tried to find a place for that person. Um. the The answer is not to fire them. Um. I don't. I don't want. I, I don't. I don't love firing people. It's not fun, and so I, we always say, "Hey, is there somewhere where they can lead?" Because they're still a valuable person on this team.
0: So good. And there's always a place for a leader of tens. Yep. Even in always. Uh, yep. Uh, next, how can you know if your team is truly developing and operating at maximum potential?
1: I think there's a couple signs. The first sign is um, the teams just get stuff done. I mean, at the end of the day, you don't get excuses. You get good quality work. I mean, they just get stuff um, done. The second thing is they're taking risk um, on new things and and instead of just doing the same old, same old. For for example, um, it's true with a church. It's true with any business. You can get in a rut, and and, and all a rut is is really an extended grave, um, I mean, you're just you're just in a hole, and it's it's really a grave. And so, if the you know band is doing the same old song, or if if the preacher's preaching the same old message, and or or whatever, you can realize it. And so, one of the things that great teams do is they're constantly willing to push um push the edge, try new things. For example, um, our fuse team recently, and our fuse is our student ministry. Um, they just tried a something new about a month ago called Fuse Live. Mm-hmm. And they, it was, they they built it off of like a, a Jimmy Kimmel-type thing, Jimmy Fallon-type um, thing, and they were real nervous about it because we had never tried anything like that, and they had a panel on stage, and they did Q&A, live Q&A, where people could text in questions, and it had a theme show feel. And I just remember um, not saying a word about it, because honestly i didn't know what it i was like well okay and then they explained what it was to me and why they were so nervous and um i didn't jump in and try to adjust anything because we've got a great fuse team and it turns out to be i mean people it, it's been over for a month and i'm still hearing students talk about it i'm still hearing volunteers talk about it the fuse team has said they're going to do it again um, in the future just because it was so successful but that's an example of a team that they do Wednesday nights, they do the midweek service for Fuse, and they're not content with just the way things are. They're they're willing to push the edge. And so the the people that are willing to do that, those are the people that, that we can trust and we can – I mean, we, we know they're going to do a great job.
0: You know, that reminds me, you mentioned earlier about uh, when – you know how do you deflect personal accolades? And you said, well, there's things going on in kids and there's things going on in student ministry and other places that you don't really know what's going on. But when you mentioned risk, I had this thought – Whether something's going on that you're unaware of or risk are being taken, you, as a leader, you wanna make sure those things are happening though inside a vision that you've set for them, guardrails, so to speak. So talk about that for a minute, though you don't have to have your hands in every single thing. It is the leader's responsibility to set the team up well to win, to create or cast real clear vision. Talk about that for a minute. So I'll
1: go back to student ministry. People ask um, Brad, who's over families, why is your student's ministry so successful? And one of the things he'll always tell people um, is because it's in line with the vision of our senior pastor. And, you know, so we've established some guardrails. We've got some core values, some staff core values, some church core values, and we've got some um, things that we hold dear and, you know, things we hold in the closed hand and things we hold in the open hand. And so um, Fuse did not try, for, for example, and this, you know, might be slightly controversial, but this is, I believe we believe our church believes in baptism by immersion, and we've, you know, we've studied the scriptures and we've landed there. And if you're a church leader and you haven't landed there, um, all that means is your baptisms are easier. And I wish I could land there because we would have way quicker baptisms. True. But um, so uh, the the like, a Fuse Ministry said, "Hey, we're gonna we're gonna do a baptism service and we're gonna sprinkle instead of immerse," well, no, no, we're not gonna we're not gonna do that. But that's not. Inside our vision, it's a close-handed issue, and so, but they understand they don't have the freedom to to do that. Um, like kids ministry, kids ministry would never come and say, "Hey, we've been um, we're going to teach the kid that kids that there's no such thing as hell because we don't want to scare them." Okay, well, you know, let's not catch the room on fire and tell kids that's going to happen to them if they die if they don't know Jesus. I mean, that would be bad. But we're I don't worry about our kids ministry compromising sound doctrine or or you know or in case of fire, safety of kids to to teach them on a subject. And so what I what I feel like I did years ago is I hired the right person. Um, I set the tone for that person. Now I'm still very aware of what's going on in all of our areas of ministry, but it's not because I'm nosy. It's just because I I have a Twitter account. And they'll I mean your staff will talk to you about what they're doing. I mean if you got a staff member tweeting twelve times a day, they're not working. Um, but Anyway, that's a whole other conversation.
0: Yeah, we'll talk about that
1: sometime. Maybe we
0: should. Um, Let me ask you this, Perry, and you're talking about the leaders of thousands, hundreds, fifties, and tens. Um, In regards to developing the teams and helping people grow. When you've got, you know, New Spring has multiple campuses spread across the whole state of South Carolina. How do you manage uh, making sure that the leadership vision, the desire to see people grow, to see teams grow, continues to get carried out even when we're spread out all across the state?
1: It's a great question and we're, we're really discovering how to do that. Um, this is a conviction that I arrived at about a year ago and um, it's going to be it might be a little uncomfortable for some but we have a leadership structure here at New spring and so you're if you're a staff member you're supposed to be getting um, instruction encouragement challenge you know re- rebuke whatever from from your point leader from the person that hired you or the person you're directly responsible for if you feel like you're not getting an answer from that person then you have permission to go to the person that's over them, um, and have a conversation. And so we've had that happen a couple times, but one of the things that I've, I've tried to do is we've made our staff meetings more frequent. So we'll have an every week staff meeting. It's, and it's by video. We do, um, we bring everybody in live about what nine or 10 times a year and mm-hmm. we do that. But, but every week we're meeting by video where it's just me, you know, casting vision or sharing a story or celebrating a win on, um, Giving information about things coming up, and so I think I think that's that's huge and that's critical. But um, about a year ago, I I just gave everybody on staff my cell phone number, um, and that's that's like four hundred people. And I've I you know who's gonna are they gonna give it out? Are they gonna do this? Are they gonna do that? Um, and the answer, and I told them I was like, listen, if you ever have a vision question. Like I don't don't call me and ask me what I'm doing tonight. Um, don't don't text me a, a picture of your dog. Um, dear Lord, don't text me a picture of your cat. Mm. Um, I mean, just don't I don't want that. I'm not look. I'm not seeking a Facebook friend. I'm, I'm. But if you ever have a question about vision or direction, and you feel like you can't get a straight answer, you call me. And I think um I think maybe I've had one or two calls in a year. Every, I mean, seriously, one or two calls in a year. Um, but I think the staff understanding that helped them know, you know what, I, I think I can trust this guy. And trust in the leader is essential for a for a team to, be, to grow and be successful. Yeah,
0: that's real good. So let me ask you this, kind of flip the script a little bit. How has building teams, developing teams, whether they're here uh, in proximity to you or across the state at campuses, uh, helped you grow as a leader. It's helped me
1: to understand that as leaders, and, it, and, and here's, the, here's the trick, Shane, the, the longer I lead, if I'm not careful, the more assumptions I will make. And so the longer I'm in this, I just assume that people think like I think, feel like I feel, know what I know, do what I do and um it's kind of like being a follower of christ so i've been following jesus for 25 years um i just think everybody should know that there are four gospels right you know well what do you mean you don't know there's four what you don't what do you mean you don't know there's an old testament and a new testament but the person you, you know and so it's that way in our walk with christ was well, that way in leadership too so we'll hire somebody and they'll be on staff for a couple months and maybe they'll understand the value of being on time because they've always gotten at their previous job at 11 or 12 and stayed till like nine or 10 at night. And, and that was okay. And that was fine, but it's kind of making that person aware, Hey, um, no, we're not, we're not going to do that here. And this is why. And so it's helped me to revisit those core areas and not hold things, um, As an assumption but understand I think we said this the other day in staff meeting and I wrote it down and it's gonna be my thing I go to over and over and over again leaders are repeaters leaders are repeaters leaders are repeaters like you've got to repeat yourself over and over and over again I feel like the old man walking around the church with Alzheimer's that just says the same story over and over again but that's so necessary because we have people on staff right now that were in a nursery when new spring started mm-hmm. and so they don't it's not that they're um it's not that they're dumb it's just that they don't know the story and so leaders are repeaters hey guess what we had 15 people living around we started and we grew to 2000 i mean we we have to tell that story and the lessons we learned along the way over and over again so people can catch the vision
0: yeah and as a leader you can't get frustrated or tired of being a repeater
1: No, it's like raising a kid. Like I remember when we were trying to teach cares how to say yes or no, sir. And I felt like for a year, I'm going to pull my hair out, but now she does it instinctively. It's yes, sir, no, sir. And so I think one of the, one of the dangers as a leader in building teams is sometimes we hire people. We tell them what they're supposed to do and then we cut them loose. And, uh, no, no real vision, no expectation, because we weren't looking for a team member. We were just looking for relief. Right. And so, when you're looking for relief rather than looking for a team member, um, it, it'll work temporarily. But then you'll wind up, you know, frustrated. So if you'll spend a little bit more time on the front end, developing people, giving them some basic instruction, answering their basic questions, long term, you'll it will save you way more than it'll cost you.
0: No doubt. Every minute spent on the front end of a conversation in training or leading will yep. save you an hour on the back end. Yeah, that's pretty. Yeah, that's it. That's it. A minute uh, for an hour. Yep, no doubt. Uh, all right, with that, Perry, anything else you want to, as we're closing things down today, any final thoughts on building great teams? One of the things that I'm learning, and I, I haven't learned this, but I'm learning,
1: is if you're going to be a great builder of teams – sooner or later you've got to pass out some encouragement like because one of the things that I took for for granted for years was um when we win everybody knows we win and so we'll just keep moving it's kind of like a football team well we had 38 points they had three points everybody knows we won everybody knows we dominated so I don't really need to say a good job I'll just say be a practice on Monday and so we would have a Sunday where we just knocked it out of the park, or a lot of people got saved, or something really cool happened, and uh, I wouldn't celebrate that. I would just move on. And so I've learned over the past year or so, and I'm getting better. I'm not where I need to be. The art of celebration. Um, if if a team wins, on a you know going to back to the great sport of college football, if a team wins, um, they celebrate in the locker room. They celebrate. I mean, the coach. I mean, I've had the privilege to go and. Be in the locker room in in Clemson when they win, and, and Dabo comes in and he celebrates the win, and um and it's it's real cool. I mean, e- even if uh, they won ugly, like let's say they just won and are but last minute, they'll celebrate the win, and then the next day they'll start correcting the mistakes. I think as leaders, sometimes in my tendency, like we'll have a big win. But, you know, the receiver didn't run his route or, man, we missed that cue on the music thing or we, you know, the welcome went a minute and a half too long. And so, yeah, that's important, but it can wait till tomorrow. I'm learning, I'm learning, I'm learning, and I've said this, but I'm learning that there's nothing wrong on Sunday that you can't fix on Monday. Um, And if it is, it it includes something or someone being on fire. You should deal with (laughs) that immediately. Don't wait. But there's there's nothing that goes wrong on Sunday that can't be worked on on Monday. So celebrate the wins. Look for the wins, either personal or corporate, and celebrate them as often as possible.
0: That's really good. That's a great place to wrap up this edition of the Perry Noble Leadership Podcast. We'll Clemson guys... will hold
1: on. Clemson will celebrate a lot of wins this year. I feel like. How many are you predict? I don't know, man. I'm, 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 I'm. So you know, we've we're one of the only teams. Twelve games this year. Yeah, we're one of the only teams, Josh. That's won ten games four years in a row. Whoa. Uh, Alabama's done that. Um, I think two other teams. Probably somebody in the Big Ten because they don't play anybody tough. Um yeah, uh Oregon. Did you say Oregon? Yeah, Oregon. So or, yeah, or a little bit of respect for Oregon on my yeah. part. A little bit, not a lot. West Coast. Does it um, really count? And then but but I don't think Florida's gonna win ten games, Josh. I just so y'all pray hashtag pray for Josh. Hashtag pray for Josh. If, if yeah, hashtag pray for Josh. And uh yeah, I wanted to say, since this was like the college football I mean it dessert, is,
0: so hashtag pray for Josh.
1: Pray for Josh. Pray. Hey. Josh is
0: getting married. Josh is getting married. Yes. Also, so, hashtag pray for Josh. Pray for Josh. You're right. You're right.
1: <laughs> he, no, Josh is getting married. He's been dating her for 78 years, and they finally got engaged. So we're real proud. Hashtag pray for Josh and give him a big shout well, maybe out.
0: Maybe we should change it to pray for Lindsay.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's true. But because she's got
0: to live with Josh.
1: Yeah. After they get married, because she's that's a, the relationship she's a cat. podcast. Though. She's a prize. She really is. Her first day at work. Totally unrelated. Her first day at work. Um, was October 31st and she dressed like Princess Leia and I was like I like that girl I don't know what she does but she just <laughs> like Princess Leia works on she staff. loves life That's she, does. she does and so and now she's gonna get to love life with Josh November 21st right Josh November 21st Man. so hashtag pray for Josh and let him know you're proud of him for getting married because he pursued this girl's heart it was amazing love it it. was amazing see All you
0: right. next time yep